Welcome to the Builders Podcast, episode 133, Ashton Rodenheiser, visual note-taking, how graphic recording can improve your meetings. Before we jump into this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, hit that notification bell if you're on YouTube, and after a listen, please give us a thumbs up, like, and share if we've earned it. With your help, we can reach more people and deliver these valuable from the trenches lessons to those that need it. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another The Builders. Today, we are joined by Ashton Rodenheiser. Welcome to the show. Hey, Matt. How's it going? It's going great. Uh, So, uh, Ashton is a creative entrepreneur and a graphic recorder. We're going to learn what a graphic recorder is today. And this is actually something new to me. I didn't know this existed either. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about how maybe drawing uh, can help us visualize and use it as a thinking tool and all that good stuff today. So it's really cool because I'm I'm excited about this because what you do, Ashton, is super unique. Well, at least for me in my world. So with that, um, the way we start things off on the builders, uh, especially when it's your first time on, is we talk a little bit about your story or have you talk about your story, uh, your journey. Um, that can go as far back as you want. Whatever you think uh, is interesting, has influenced you to uh, both on, in your case, your creative journey and how that led to an entrepreneurial journey. So that's that's a fun that sounds fun. Let's get let's get into it. So I'll hand it over to you. <laughs> I love that. Ooh, I'm thinking about what parts of my story which wouldn't take like three hours to tell. But <laughs> so I'm going to actually speak a little bit about myself as a creative first. So I've always been very creative. My family would joke around that it's like I was adopted because I was like the weird creative one, the weird artsy one in the family. No one else was very artistic, but I was, I was the one. So, and I've always been a bit of a dabbler. So I like to try lots of different art mediums. So if you name a medium, I've probably at least tried it at least once. And, and a medium for those who aren't familiar with art is. Is like a a type of thing. So it's like uh, watercolor is a medium and caustic, which is like wax painting, which we tried for a while is a medium. Um, needle felting as a medium, or that's how I describe it at least. Yeah. So, yeah, so I've tried lots of different creative uh, things, mediums, and I find a lot of us unfortunately have had a story where their creativity was squashed, and for some reason we can remember it to the day, the time, the person that said it. And mine was in grade four. My teacher told me I was holding my paintbrush wrong. I wasn't doing like long strokes. I was doing back and forth. And she was very upset with me that I wasn't doing it properly. And that memory stuck with me for a very long time. And even though I did try lots of things throughout the years, like, you know, we, it's just an unfortunate thing that we tend to remember those times where our creativity was squashed or we were told that it wasn't good enough. Um, right. So if that is you out there, you're not alone in here in thinking, you know, and remembering back at that moment that your creativity yeah, was I squashed. Mean, even, even I am thinking about one particular person. I won't say who it is in my, in my early days that uh, I even got the, you didn't write that. Or I was doing some poetry, but I also did some creative yeah. stuff when I was young. And uh, oh, I did. She just wouldn't believe me. Yeah. And, and I think I about think, that. Well, you know, I think yeah. a lot of us, we re-hold on to that. And we say, well, we, we're not good enough at this art thing. Like, it's not for us. And, like, my kids are little. And I ask, I've asked them, like, you know are you an artist? And they're like, yeah, like, duh, (laughs) of course I'm an artist. Right. But at some point, whether we're very little or that we can't remember or not, like a lot of us tell ourselves a story that we are not creative. We are not an artist or we are not, you know, one of those two things basically. Mm -hmm. And so I, I still did a few things, but I also like fell into the belief that, you know, the bit of that starving artist mentality and, I wanted to go to art school, but chose not to because you can't make money as an artist, you know? So it wasn't until, um, 
I was taking an early childhood education uh, course and we had to research an artist. And I was like, this is fun. And I found an artist, her name, she's very famous around where I live and in Canadian folk history. Her name is Maude Lewis. And she was, uh, she suffered from juvenile arthritis. She was very crippled up um, and very poor, unfortunately. And her husband was a boat uh, painter and just sort of like handyman. And they lived in this super, super tiny house, like kind of like a tiny house that is today, like probably a hundred square feet, like super tiny home. Um, and her husband would bring back paint from his boat, you know, and his work and stuff. And, and she would do all these paintings from just found wood that he had found, leftover paint and things like that. And anyway, she's, she's like very... Unfortunately, she's not around anymore, but she became a very prolific folk artist. Um, her little house that she lived in actually lives in an art gallery where I live. And, uh, yeah, so I did a, did a project on her, and I really fell in love with this idea of folk art. Because folk art is, like, not you're not trained. You, most of the time, you use, like, found materials. It uses, like, a lot of, like, bright colors, like, thick black lines most of the time. And just, like, very... Uh, it's always very fun, you know, always brings a smile to your face. And I really fell in love with her and I really fell in love with folk art. Fast forward a couple years, I decided I was working at a family center. I learned about facilitation work, which led me to graphic facilitation work. And I was like, wow, people are making a living and having these really interesting careers and companies as these graphic recorder people that go around to different meetings and conferences. And, and like, that's their thing. And I was like, I want that to be my thing. Like they figured that out. I think I can figure that out. And that was back. Uh, I was introduced into the world in 2013 and it was in 2015 that I was like, I'm going to try to like actually make a business out of this. And and I tell the story about Maude Lewis and the folk art because I'm not a traditionally trained artist, right? I've always been, like I said, a dabbler in all these different mediums and like try different things, but I didn't actually draw a whole lot. I, I never really have taken an art class. Like I've just sort of made it up as I went along <laughs> and I leaned in on like, well, you know, Maude Lewis became this like famous Canadian, you know, beloved artist and she didn't have any training you know and like her her style is very like fun and whimsical and people love it and I sort of like kind of married that those two ideas of you know I don't have to be a professional artist I don't even have to have an art background but I am very creative and I love how art can be a medium or not medium but like a conduit for helping communicate ideas through this like world of facilitation and then that's what I've been doing ever since. <laughs> Incredible. Wow. Yeah, so it, it's it's really interesting. Um, you know, like, so for those that listen to this podcast, probably know at some point, maybe you've listened, because of course you've listened to every single episode and everything I say. <laughs> of course. Uh, <laughs> this one's the favorite one so far. <laughs> right. And it will be, yes, for sure. <laughs> um But yeah, I have a little bit of an artistic background as well. So in my early 20s, probably from about, 19 till about you know my mid-20s i pursued art and uh as a painter on canvas my mediums were a little bit of oil um acrylic um and and i was uh, i kind of defined myself as more of like an expressionist and more abstract and um, my paintings were all about ideas coming out of my head and expressing that um but I kind of, you know, when you're talking about your journey, how you weren't trained, um, you know, I, I kind of, I did take, I went to college for like a semester. <laughs> um, I went back to college later in my life, but uh, but I did take an art class and learned a little bit there. And, and, and uh, but that was very minimal. And, uh, but then I kind of became self-taught and I started just, I just, define this thing for me like i'm going to do it and um i kind of kind of uh found other artists i wanted to emulate or i'm like i want to do that like identifying somebody out in the world me it wasn't anybody locally it was more like a picasso or something like that you know? right like, like i want to i want to be that guy like that is spends his whole life just creating you know and 
but it's amazing you kind of sound like you have a very similar thing where you're 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 talking about folk art folk art and uh how it doesn't require a formal education or, or training to to do it you just do it you know you just you're inspired to do something probably everybody around you thinks you might be a little bit off your rocker doing it you know <laughs> at least they were probably for me but but I was just this, you know, I just did it, and um, I just followed my heart, followed my soul, and it just became my thing. Um, I loved to stretch my own canvas. And, oh wow, you're uh, really, you're yeah. really into it. Yeah, I was into it. <laughs> you stretch your um, own canvas. You're in it. You're in yeah, it. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, that was that was an art form in itself. Because uh, I yeah. love big canvases, so it was yes. probably yeah. more cost effective to do that. Um, but um, but that's that's amazing and. Um, and then you find, see, the, the thing that where I deviate, though, is at some point I decided I didn't want to be a struggling artist anymore and mm-hmm. ended up getting into business and other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but found my way back to creativity with web design and stuff. But mm-hmm. enough about me. Uh, but where we diverge is I think back at that time and I think, my goodness, there were so many other things I could have done artistically. like. For some reason, I had to be this one defined thing, and I couldn't think about going to school for graphic art or graphic design, or I could have done who knows what. Um, but it was like I couldn't do that, so I wasn't doing any art at all. <laughs> so, but for you, um, did you dabble in other? Like, were you doing trying folk art and stuff like that first, or you just kind of went right into the? Yeah, I, I definitely rekindled a lot, a lot of my creativity, like through my 20s. And when I was like trying to pay back some student loans, um, I was very rigid, but I also gave myself an art budget of like $20 a week that I could give myself nice. to go and buy something. And that's where I did a lot of my dabbling around with different mediums. But I didn't really think about pursuing or creating a business or pursuing creativity as a potential job until I learned about this world of graphic facilitation. Because at the time I didn't even know it existed. And I really loved facilitation. And I found when I found the two, I felt like it was just this beautiful coming together of like the world of facilitation and how people communicate with one another and how to group process and help helping hear what people are saying, feeding back in words, but now you can feed it back in images and pictures. And I started, as I was sort of dabbling with that for a little bit, I started experiencing the power for myself first when I was doing some groups and I would just throw paper and just draw it out and just make it up as I went along. And I would put that away and six months later bring it out and I was just blown away at how much I could remember what resonated with me and I started hearing from others when I would just show up in other facilitated things I was doing I would just throw out paper and do the same thing just sort of try it out and it was really bad and rough and not great my lettering was awful it was all me- it was so messy it was you know but even in the messiness people were like oh my gosh this is so incredible like this is really helping me learn and this is helping me remember and you know, the, that feedback or the, like probably those first two years really was like, there's something special here. It's not just about quote unquote, drawing a pretty picture. Like it's not about that at all. It's really about using this art, um, using this drawing tool to help communicate an idea, to help people feel seen and feel heard in a meeting, right? The amount of times now that I've been in meetings where you could tell very clearly that people didn't want to be there and I'm able to like win them over by drawing a funny little thing that they said, you know? So yeah, I just, over those first few years started to sort of play around with it and, and experience like every single time I would do something, I would learn something about the topic that I was drawing out or something about my process or how people were resonating with it. And it just like, I was sold every single time I did it. I was like, this is such a powerful tool. Like, how do people not do this in every meeting at that point? So, so let me ask you, you, you mentioned like facilitation a few times. What, what's the context yeah. there? You're, you're like in other uh, company meetings. Was this place you were working for or, or you, where did you start doing this for others? Yeah. So I was working at a family center. And so with my education as an early childhood educationer, I got a job um, at a college at a family center. So 
the first few years there, I was working with like just the kids, but the last few years I was there, I transitioned into like community development facilitation. So even though I didn't even have kids at the time, I was like facilitating parenting programs and things about like how to communicate with your kids and stuff like that. So I, and in facilitation is facilitation is a very special skill because you're basically a professional thinker and listener because you don't always hold all of the information like a teacher does. A teacher holds all the information, stands at the front of the room, talks for an hour in front of the students and says, here's what I know, this is what you need to know because someone told me this is what you need to know. But in facilitation, it's such a special skill because you hear what people are saying, you're managing the room, you're feeling people's emotions, you're feeding back what you're hearing, you're thinking about what you're hearing, and most of the time before I learned about graphic facilitation, it was only with words, like maybe a few little flip chart notes here and there, but a lot of it was just words. So, you know, a lot of times strategic planning sessions, I, I get hired to do a lot of those, right? So people are in a room, they're trying to like, what are we going to do for them? Like, where's our goal in three years? What do we want to have accomplished? And you get so, 10, 20 people in a room and you're, the facilitator is facilitating this conversation to making sure that everybody feels like they had a voice. Everyone's okay. ha, a, is speaking, right? It's not like one person just speaking the whole time, right? There's like a skill in making sure everybody feels heard. And then I started getting asked to support those meetings in the drawings. So there'd be the facilit. So first I was the facilitator facilitating those meetings, but then I decided I really wanted to go all in in the graphic part. So I let the facilitators do their amazing work in facilitating the room. And I would hear what they're saying and then create a visual representation of what was said. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So that, I get it now. Okay. So facilitate, you're facilitating the meeting. You're, you're making sure every, you're managing the room and making sure everyone's gets their time and all that stuff. And yeah, because maybe you're like taking meeting like notes. Third, a lot of times like people will consider to hire a third party facilitator, right? Okay. They're not like in, they don't know all of the nooks and crannies of like your business. They're like professional facilitator, oh, right? So they like, they're not worried about like Joe who never listens to anybody because like, they're going to say like, Joe, you gotta listen <laughs> because yeah. they're the facilitator. They have to make sure that Joe's quiet. So other people can speak, right? They host the ground rules with every, like they help people create the ground rules for the room. Right? So, as a professional facilitator is a very special skill. Um, so I, and I really fell in love with that concept uh, or that world. And then I just started experiencing the power of the visual part that I was like, okay, I'm going to support facilitators moving forward. So I find myself kind of in two worlds when I'm working professionally, one in the facilitation graphic facilitation world where I'm supporting facilitators to lead their meetings and and gather the and draw things from what people are saying as a whole in the room and so that's sort of one world that i work in and then the other world is like more of like i'm a fly on the wall i'm not embedded completely into the conversation but i'm there during your conference drawing out the eight speakers that just spoke and now you have eight graphics that represent all the information the speakers just said just maybe one voice or a panel rather than like a collective room that makes sense Makes total sense. I don't even think I thought about it as a like I didn't know this was a whole thing. Like, just, like, yeah, like I, I'm like I guess I guess it makes total sense that somebody could be doing that, uh, doing that type of thing, and that would be a a thing. Uh, if you've but, ever been in a meeting that was poorly facilitated, you'll yeah. know what I'm talking about. You'd be like, because right. most meetings are probably pretty poorly facilitated, unless yeah. you have a facilitator that actually like knows how to facilitate things well. Well, I guess I guess you know in my in my you know my team my team and stuff you know like I have different standups and team meetings throughout the week, and and some of my meetings will have four or five people on there, and I I guess I often serve as a facilitator because yeah. I'm making sure everybody I'm going exactly. through the room and making sure you know what's going on with you and this and that and you know what we're working on. So that's interesting. I didn't know I was a facilitator till today. You are that's a facilitator. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> uh, so so um so so now let's let's dig into this. So you made this transition. You you number one you're kind of uh, already had this kind of interest in creativity and art and you were uh doodling or you thought about doodling. 
Yeah. Um, we're going to be talking about doodling today. Yeah. It's one of my favorite words. Um, yeah, it is a good one. It is a good one. <laughs> but uh, so, so now you're, you start, you're, now you're sitting in on meetings. You, are you the fly on the wall now? You're there just uh, graphically representing this. Now, I, I, I don't, I don't know how to do it because a lot of our audience is actually just probably going to listen to this on audio. Um, we're going to have, we'll have some uh, uh, stuff at the end where we can talk about your Instagram and stuff where they can find these things. Cause there's great, this is such a, a visual thing. I, when I saw in our first meeting together, when I saw what you were actually doing, it's, it's actually pretty amazing. Almost I have to say beautiful. Like that's yeah. doodling. That's, that's like meeting notes. How is that even a thing? That's like, that looks like artwork that should be on the wall. Um, yeah. And so, so talk, talk about that transition and, and getting into that and, and your style and, and, you know, where that all comes from, you know, is this something that you also were influenced by, you know, others doing the same thing and you just took it or is this, does it have your own unique flavor? And, you know, yeah. Like so as I was starting to learn, so unfortunately it's one of those industries that we have all these different terms, right? So I've already talked about graphic facilitation. Yeah. I think you called me a graphic recorder in the beginning. I also call myself a live illustrator. Um, hmm. Some people call me the graphic artist, which I don't really resonate with. Sketch noter yeah. is a very uh, popular one, but I see sketch noting as a personal note taking or visual note taking. Like there's so many of these different terms, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I kind of spoke about the two worlds that I work in in terms of graphic facilitation for facilitated sessions and graphic recording as or live illustration for sort of uh, conferences and things like that. But um, I work mostly in those kind of two realms. Um, but really at the end of the day, I it's my job to help break down complexity or to help clarify information or wisdom that comes out of a meeting into a visual format so that people will engage with it in the moment, but then also remember it long term. So... I'm pretty careful in who I work with when it comes to doing this type of thing because if you just want to hire me to draw a pretty picture, like, and they are nice, like they should be nice after doing this for almost 10 years, like they better look good, um, you know, but if you just want to hire me to draw a pretty pr uh, picture, I'm not your person because there's probably people out there who are more talented than myself to do that. But if you care about the people at the conference learning something, remembering it, taking that information and putting it into their worker life, like actually applying that information, then I'm your person, right? You care about how people communicate or in a meeting. You, you care about how people feel and they want to see her in a meeting. I'm your person. Like that's, those are to the type of people that I like to work with. And you'll notice I didn't say anything about like the drawing style or anything. Cause at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's so messy, like facilitation sessions, the graphics end up being a little bit more messy looking than maybe like a keynote speaker at a conference, right? Because conversations are messy. A present, a keynote present, uh, presentation should have, you know, some logical flow to it that I can follow along. So, you know, it's, at the end of the day, it shouldn't matter about how it, pretty it looks at the end of the day. If it helps you move through a conversation, especially a difficult one, or, or try to bring some clarity to some complicated ideas, then I'm your person because that's what I'm listening for. So you see the drawing at the end, but a lot of the work is actually the, the listening that I'm doing, the processing, the making sense in my mind of what I'm hearing and then reflecting that in words and pictures. And because most people resonate with pictures, consider themselves to be a visual thinker or a visual learner at least, um, it resonates with a lot of people in the audience or in the room. And that's key because not everyone's visual learner. Like, so I, um, I, I do mind mapping. I may take notes on these things and do my own little doodling. Um, yeah. But making connections for me, I love using like a, a digital. I use iPad and uh, digital pen and taking notes and stuff. But a lot of it, 
turns into me circling things and right. connecting things and flowing and moving things around um, and just grouping ideas randomly. Like, like if somebody actually looked at my notes, it would not look like a neat little notepad with notes going down with little bullets. No, mine is pretty. I, I could show you some of my stuff. I mean, I start like with with these. I start with bullets, but they're little dashes. And then, but by the time I'm done with the podcast, I'll have like drawings and notes. And I'm not even looking sometimes. Um, but not but not everybody's like that or can do mind mapping. Mind mapping really helps me a lot in visualizing. Like especially if I'm getting overwhelmed by a big problem. Mm-hmm. Sitting down and and just uh, connecting the dots and just breaking it all out and making sure I can visually see everything um, that way. But uh, but I know there's people in the world that aren't visual, including my wife, including uh, my friend I talked about, I think, earlier. Uh, oh, before the call, we were talking about purple. That's true. Purple's the best <laughs> color, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. That was a whole conversation before we started here. Purple's awesome. Um, awesome, yes. <laughs> but, but yeah, his favorite color is purple. But but I think of him too because he's. Uh, I I've done. Uh, we've worked on projects together, uh, developing uh, WordPress themes and and functionality and features and web development stuff. Yeah. But he could never with the group of people we were together. He could never really visualize where we were headed. We had to build it first and then show him. Right. He's just not a visual person. and But it's the same way with, I think, this type of stuff, too. This is going to be good for some people. I, percentage-wise, I mean, like, like if you have a company or a room, out of that, do, how many people, what percentage of people do you think really connect with the visual side of this or there's, yeah, there's outliers? So there's conflicting stats about this, unfortunately, but I've heard between 60 and 80. So some people say 60, some people say 80% of people would say that they learn visually or they think mm. visually. So even though technically learning styles have been debunked, it's like not a thing, apparently, people still refer to like, oh, I'm a visual thinker or I'm a kinesthetic learner or something like that. So yeah, so it's typically a high percentage of people who, at, it's at least one of their ways that they mm. prefer to learn. Like I always give the example, like that's why YouTube is like the second largest search engine in the world because we want to see the people yeah. doing the thing, right? So that's right. And I love that you were like sketch noting with without even like knowing that this was a thing. <laughs> so yeah. I love I love that you were doing, it. and I find that some people they they'll say like, oh, like I I do that. I didn't even know this was like a, a way. And I'm like, yes, it is. Like it's actually a whole method. Um, you can go as deep as you want into it as you want. Or other people will say, oh, you must have did this when you were younger. And I'm like, no, I didn't. That's the problem, right? They should like this should just be like given as an option for students when they're learning how to take notes to encourage them to doodle in their notebook and take those doodles and make meaning with them and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. um, I'll just throw one stat, it's probably my only stat I'll mention other than the one you was asked me about is like, just doodling alone can help you retain up to 29% more information, right? So it uh, it's doing the opposite of what everybody thinks. Everybody thinks you're doodling and you're distracted because you're making little doodles. But it's actually something that you do to help you stay focused. Right. Mm. So if anybody ever gets in trouble for doodling, you send them to me and I will tell them. (laughs) I will tell them all the information about how doodling is important and helpful. So to me, the way that I see a lot of my work too is, you know, take those doodles and just make them a little bit more purposeful, help those connections. Like, and it sounds like you're doing that with the mind method technique and some of you are like, oh, I circle this and then I, you know, I make the line here. Like using lines and circles and squares and all these like little elements. Seriously, I'm like, I got a circle there. I love it, I love it because like, and the way when I teach, when I teach sketchnoting, we start with a line. Right, because people will look at what I do and I'm like, you can't compare my 10 year journey into your beginning, right? So yes, my drawings are like nice and they should be like people pay me to draw them. Like, yes, they should look nice, but you don't have to be an artist, right? You can have the messiest handwriting in the whole world. It doesn't really matter, right? But I start by teaching people how to draw a line and what a line can do. A line can help connect information. It can separate information. It can highlight information, 
right? So like you can use simple elements, simple drawing elements like a line, like a square, like a circle to help you elevate the information on the page, right? So you can add colors, colors to highlight, to emphasize, to you know, um, separate whole section of your page or what have you, right? So you can use these drawing elements that are not hard to learn. Like yeah. you take a, like a square and lines and a circle, and now you have like a little box person, right? That might <laughs> say something you put it in a speech bubble. Like is not hard to do. Like it sounds complicated, but you just start with a line, then a circle, then a square, and how these elements like add together. And then you can start what I talk about building a visual vocabulary. Then you can learn how to draw simple icons that help represent multiple ideas. So my favorite one is like a magnifying glass because it can zoom in on something. It can help represent like analyzing or focusing or examining like a, a lot of those things come up in meetings and stuff and it's just a circle with another circle and a little half circle thingy Whoa. you know it's not hard to draw and it can also help you bring in some of those visual elements and help explain a concept on your page without having to like add in a whole bunch of drawings. So when I talk about like building your visual vocabulary, I'm like teach draw, teach how to draw a few simple icons that help represent multiple ideas, right? And then the whole thing is like your muscle memory. So then when you go to like sketch note or draw somebody to try to draw your notes, you're not thinking too hard about what you know how to draw. You're like, oh, I know how to draw a magnifying glass. Like the first two years of doing this work as a professional, I put a light bulb on every single flipping thing I drew because <laughs> it was one of the things that I had confidence in knowing right. how to draw. And a light bulb is a great visual icon because it's like you can put it on your page and be like, this was the most important thing or this is, was my aha moment, right? It's so like, this is it. At the end of the day, you could look at your sketch note, even like, a year later and go, that was the most important thing that I learned that day, or that was the thing that I need to go and research more about or whatever it is right. means for you. Right. Right. So. so you're creating visual cues to, to just, you know, kind of get your, that I'm, I'm sitting here as you're talking, I'm like, is there any like graphics that I use regularly in my stuff? And I keep thinking of this, of Ziggy. You remember Ziggy? If you go back a ways, he was a cartoon character. Mm. He had a big head, and I'm old. Um, <laughs> Ziggy was a cartoon character I grew up with in the 70s and 80s. So, um, but uh, I used to draw him all the time. That's my whole point. Uh, I used to, draw, for whatever reason, I like drawing Ziggy. He's got a big nose, right. and, and that was like, like I, I need to start dr baking Ziggy into my 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 notes. Um, yeah. But it's really, really interesting. Go ahead. I was going to say, and when we learn, like, it should be fun, yeah. right? Yeah. Putting Ziggy on your, your note, like, that will bring a smile to your face and will help you remember that information, right? It's like, yeah, okay, we could draw these, like, funny little pictures all day long. But for me, it's like, what's going to help you remember that information? And because if, if you remember it, you can apply it to your life or your work. Right, you can help yeah. communicate that idea to somebody else. Right, no, it's and fantastic. if we have fun, right, then it will help you remember it too by adding little Ziggy on your paper. Having fun, taking yeah. notes, love yeah. that. Exactly. Well, because and through all this, there's this thread, and I, and I, I connect this back to I was the last episode I had um, on this podcast. We were talking about. Um, uh, learning and how like uh one of the ways to really learn something is to teach it right or to yeah. write about it or to get on stage and talk about it you know i mean you have to then you learn it you you i think he was talking and it's like you just uh immerse yourself in it and just i don't know what he was using for like it was like analogy or it was like some kind of like you were like drowning in it or something anyway but I think about the, that same thing, like how we learn and um, 
because I, I learn a ton just doing this podcast. Even when I do my solo podcast or when I do my blogging and stuff, that's a way for me to really uh, get into the, the topic and learn. But I think, you know, also there's this, besides visual learners, there's there's this aspect of, like, if you have ever taken memory lessons or read a memory book, how to, because I I did that in my early 20s, so I know I've always had a kind of a bad memory, <laughs> and I knew it. <laughs> so... But one of those things is like the visual aspect of it and, and visualizing um, something to remember it. Like some, and it's always something ridiculous. It's, it's taking some words and, and visualizing something ridiculous, like a ridiculous scene from one thing to the next uh, to build out the scene and remember something, maybe a string of words or whatever. Yeah, I've heard and that with numbers, when people memorize sequences of numbers, like when they have those competitions, they create these stories in their mind. Right. That, that number represents that like one-eyed monster and it's a one <laughs> or something. Yes, yes. Yeah, so it's, it, it, yeah. And it's for some reason, especially probably for creative, you know, visual brains, it helps wire things a little bit and connect and make those connections. And, um, and I think that helps with me a lot too, like, you know, cause I don't have the greatest memory in the world. I'm probably, I'm okay. <laughs> I remember most things. Um, but, um, but here it seems kind of, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. It feels kind of like the same thing when you're in a meeting, a group of people and, and you're sketching all this out, you're doodling, you're making these connections, you're adding these graphics. And um, when you then, a lot of times with notes, you never look at them again. But here now you have this, you even have a reason to look at it again, or you're kind of creating a reason. Look at this beautiful thing that, and then you look at it and, and, but do you think that's an aspect of it too? What, what a big benefit of this is in terms of just uh, normal notes or not taking notes? Yeah, there's definitely the benefit in the moment of that engagement, right? And and allowing people to see their own words unfold. Like you just don't see that every day. You don't experience that every day, especially in a meeting. But then, yeah, there's certainly a ton of benefit after after the event. You know, if I'm doing it on paper on a wall, then they get a photograph of it too. They can print out and put in their cubicle or whatever. Nice. Um, I've yeah. also used, like some companies have uh, used the graphics like the originals the ones that are on paper if i'm doing it that way or they print them out really large and put them in their office or put them in their lunchroom as like an accountability tool or as of like a friendly reminder to that company of like these are this is where we're headed right i even had a company like years ago they we did a series of them and they hung them around and i always try to encourage people in many instances like yes it's a pretty picture it just is like nicely drawn okay Sure, but like use this as an accountability tool, like mark on it, put sticky notes on it, like put a date and put it by that thing that you said you were going to do, right? Right on it. I even had a company say, we actually had to take a, a black marker and just like cross part of it out. And we explained why to the employees, why we can't do that thing. So it helps communicate like positively and maybe a message that's a hard one to to communicate mm -hmm. like we can't like i know we said we were going to do that and that was a great idea but we can't and this is why we can't right so you can use it as a way to help have that conduit of that communication too right we didn't forget that thing that you said in that meeting because that's what happens so much is like you know a lot of times if you're getting like feedback from employees is like you think it's just going to the abyss but when you do these those types of sessions are so great too because this is what the employee said. And sometimes it's like not always the nicest things. So I'm, but I'm writing it down anyways. And I have to have those conversations with the clients. Like if someone says something negative or something controversial, like I have to write it down because that's what they said. And now it's your job to go, we can't do this because of this, or actually we can do this with this and we can actually do it next month. Not like last, next year, like we said we were going to, right? So helps like be able to have continue the conversation afterwards right mm -hmm. so like if people just want to check a box box by working with me like they're not my person because i want you know maybe they don't go to that level of extent where they hang on the wall and draw on it and do all that stuff like you know and that's fine they don't have to go to that but ideally it's something that they can reflect on on an ongoing basis or just like you know at the quarterly team meeting right is this still where we're headed 
you know, because how many times a lot of these things and meetings and conferences and all that stuff, we just write everything down and we just stick it in a file folder and it goes to the back and we never see it again until like spring cleaning, like five years later, Yeah, <laughs> you right. know, so yeah. to help keep the, the messages going. And I think too, like for conferences who, especially those that are hiring these, like, you know, really high tier speakers, you like for when they want me to draw out that the speaker and what all the stuff that they said to me, it's just like adding to the investment of hiring that speaker because that speaker can get on that stage and rah, rah and be like, get everybody all like pumped up. Like this is amazing. But the next day there's going to be another amazing speaker and you're not going to remember what the other amazing speaker just said that the company just spent like 50 grand hiring to come in and speak for. Right. So (laughs) to me, it's almost like to protect your investment, have it drawn out because then people will be able to remember what that speaker said 10 months later, five years later, right. you know what I mean? To, and I even had like people say, I didn't attend the conference. And then I saw what you were drawing on Twitter and I had total FOMO or I had, you know, like I was like, man, I missed out. It looked so fun. Right. So yeah. you could even use the graphics in your marketing for the next year. Like, look what you missed out on, or here's the information or whatever, or think about like your neurodivergent audience members you know, maybe they can't physically sit there for eight hours or maybe they struggle to like listen to information, but they can watch the drawing unfold and keep up or they they know they're not going to miss out because later the graphic's going to be hung in the foyer and they can look at it and go, okay, I got, right. I got, I missed it, but I, I still got the information. I didn't miss out. Right. So from like an accessibility and like an inclusivity perspective too, I think it's always a you know, it's not just like a value add at that point. If you want to make sure that everybody is having a, like a most equitable experience as possible. So there's, yeah, there's my amazing. thought for the day. That's, no, that's amazing that it, it, it does. Um, you know, when you, when you're so strict, like you said, somebody gets on stage or somebody you know, in a meeting and it's just somebody talking, maybe somebody's taking some notes on a notepad. But uh, this adds another dimension to it that can reach more people and help more people, um, especially, like you said, if, you know, people that can benefit from uh, seeing something visually even after the meeting. It just adds more value later, too. Um, and it, it helps you not avoid, you know, you can't avoid certain things that come up. I love that you can, even the negative things. I think that's even awesome. Negative things. You're not yeah. going to avoid it. It's right here in the picture. <laughs> you're going to have to deal with it. Yeah. yeah, like I was doing a session a few months ago and like when I do it in person, I have like these little white labels that I'll stick over top of something if I need to fix it. And man, I used a lot of those, <laughs> you know, they wanted me to make like they were this group was very, very engaged with what I was doing and wanted me to make sure that their words were true reflection of what was saying being said. And and because I would have hated the opposite, I left, and then and then they're like, "Oh, it wasn't really a true reflection." Like, no, tell me, like, in the moment. And I always stand up at the when I get the opportunity in those types of situations. I stand at the front of the room. I'm like, "Tell me if I spelled something wrong." There's always one of you in every room that likes to correct people's spelling. This is your time, <laughs> this is your time to shine. You know, right, like, right. when you're drawing and writing things so quickly, and you're thinking, you're processing at sure. the same time. I'm like you spell things wrong it's just like the nature of the beast so yeah. you know i'm not a human dictionary so you know and this group that i just mentioned like that was um there was like indigenous cultures from all over canada talking and they wanted some of their words written in their native language and stuff and like they wrote them on sticky notes and i wrote them down and made sure you know so like it was very important to that group wow so it's just not like, just on the fly. You are able to, uh, they can input later and, and you can input later. Yeah. When I'm doing more of those facilitated sessions, it's, it's such an amazing opportunity for people to engage with me. And like wow. I had the most, the same, the same meeting was so incredible because I had this woman come up she's like, Oh, this one person said this thing and I want to make sure it was captured. And I was literally finishing writing it as she said, I want to make sure this is captured. And I was like, I literally just finished writing what you just said, nice. <laughs> right? Nice. Which was reaffirming for me. Cause right. I felt like this was like a really main, like it was really like heartful quote that somebody had said, sure. 
And she was like, oh, make sure you capture that. And I was just like, it was nice and big. I was like, we're just finishing this beautiful, like, you know, oh, visual representation of this idea. And uh, it was just like that, one of those like weird butterfly moments. I was like, I can't believe this just happened. It. Yeah. It was so magical, right? Yeah. No, that's all, awesome. So you're, I mean, and, and I imagine um, it's the capturing those big ideas, those big takeaways from a, from a meeting and, and things you can go back and reflect on. I mean, it's very cool. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to actually... Uh, so there's there's two things in my mind right now. <laughs> the first thing is okay. So let's say we have that group of people that they want to start taking, start doing this themselves, like taking notes and doodling and and maybe at their own meetings or just uh, personally doing stuff like you know all that. Do you have any um, uh, tools you recommend or or tips about how to get started doing that yourself uh, first? Great segue, Matt. So I just wrote a book. Uh, ah. and I know. Look at that. Look at me go. Um, <laughs> I wrote the book called The Beginner's Guide to Sketchnoting. And if you are a true beginner, I felt like there was a huge um, missing link in the book department of teaching beginners because a lot of books out there are really beautiful and amazing. You should pick those up too. But they have a lot. Like they're really highly illustrative and I really wanted to write something with beginners in mind. So if, mm. especially if you're, and I'm sure people who are intermediate, they would learn something too. So well, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, there. I know I, I feel like I want it cause I, I, I just want to see everything from your perspective and what you do. So, and yeah. you know, so it like, it really starts at the basics of, um, you know, after the introduction and stuff, like start with a blank piece of paper and this is why blank piece of paper. And this is why it's, horizontal not vertical and and okay now now look at your lettering here's some lettering tips and then we go into lines and then containers and people and uh color and things like that and then the second half of the book goes into the sketchnoting process there's the process of sketchnoting there's the thing that you create right and then how you listen how you make sense of what you're listening to and then how do you capture it which is uh, there's a lot of like tips and tricks in there of like, here's some things on how to listen. Here's how some things like when you're, when you are listening, there's some things to listen for. And then you'll be like, Oh, maybe that's the main idea or what have you. So cause that's always a, the biggest struggle for people when they're starting out, they go right to the question of like, how do I know what to write? And I'm like, don't worry about that. Right. The second, just get a few drawing elements. So you build up your confidence. Like, Oh, I can draw some lines and some little mm -hmm. star people and things. Um, so, and then attached to my book, or not attached, but also like supplementary, I have a community that I launched in early 2022. So um, anybody who grabs the book, they can get into the community for a month for free. I've nice. got workshops in there. I've got guest interviews for people to hear on their sketchnoting journey. Um, there's some course material in there. And then of course there's the community itself. You can post your sketch notes, ask all your questions, and I'm in there answering things every day. Um, so if you're interested in kind of like, what is this like visual note taking sketch noting thing and, um, whether or not you're like in corporate and you want to just do it for your own meetings or you're a student or a teacher in, you know, elementary, high school, university, like it's kind of great for basically anything where you're trying to capture something down to try to help you remember it. Love it. And so what's the name of the book again? Where can you, can people find it? A beginner's guide to sketch noting. And you can find it on my Sketchnote website, which is sketchnote.school. And there's information about the community as well. And uh, you can find it on Amazon. It's all over Amazon as well. Nice. Okay. Um, yeah. And we'll have folks, it in the show notes too. Yeah. And I have a coupon code. You can, uh, if you want to grab the ebook version, if you type in builders, you can get the ebook for $9 instead of $14. So $5 oh, off. Sweet. Awesome. Yay. So, yeah, and then you can uh, get started on that and get in the community and just start getting, get going with that. And yeah, you can basically find me on all socials if you type in uh, my name. And my graphic recording business is mindseyecreative.ca. And so you can go to there and see some of my examples of all the different uh, things that we talked about where, you know, more like conferences or corporate settings or facilitated type sessions. And uh, I'm just in the process of revamping my YouTube channel, 
but there's still some good stuff on it. I'm gonna, I'm still gonna keep all the stuff that's on there, but I'm really gonna do some more teaching of sketchnoting skills on there as well. So um, you can keep it. Wow, on. I love all the stuff you're doing. I love that you're teaching and and got the book and community and you're doing all this stuff on YouTube. Um, so uh, I wish I had time to do all that stuff. <laughs> Like I try to do, I got, I got a baseline of stuff we do, but, um, and a podcast. Uh, but so the other, the other thing, so I said there was two things. So that's the one thing the do it yourselfers. And then like, you know, how does somebody, uh, obviously I, I think you do this for others still, right. As a service to, you know, go to companies or whatever. And, and so they could reach out to you for that or, um, anything else you can say around that and, and getting somebody cause Somebody might not want to, maybe they have a company and they're not, don't want to be the creative person doing all the doodling, but they want to maybe bring somebody in or find somebody. I mean, how do you go through that process? Yeah. Um, so like I said, my, my website, uh, my company for that is mindseyecreative.ca. So you can find me on yeah. all the socials and all the stuff for that too. But yeah, there's a few examples of my work on there. Um, and yeah, like if you're a conference organizer, you want it for your event, either in person or virtual, do it, still do a ton of virtual stuff to kind of help elevate that. Or oh, do virtual stuff too. That's cool. Yeah, I'm actually primarily still, uh, since COVID, before COVID, oh, right. I was 100% in person and now I'm more like 90% digital. Still wow. doing it, starting to do a little bit more in person stuff, but. Um, yeah, still very virtual so I can share my drawing screen and people can still see the drawing unfold, but on their screen, which is really fun. And I can do from the comfort of my pajamas, <laughs> which is awesome. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so there's, there's lots of options. There's lots of options there too, either conferences or meetings, or even if you just have like a webinar or a podcast, or I do blog posts, like where there's like content Basically, if it's verbal or nonverbal, like, or if it's written or whatever, um, yeah. yeah, you can. I can I'm just trying to suddenly imagine it. having yeah. having somebody like do a visual doodling for our podcast. That would be yeah. that would be unique. Yeah, it's uh, fun. Maybe. I do a few podcasts. Yeah. Do you really? Yeah, awesome. I do. Yeah. So well, it was great getting to know you, Ashton, and uh, talking about all this creative stuff. And uh, it, it's it's amazing. I've I've learned some things myself today. I didn't uh, I didn't know some of this stuff that there was even a thing. Yay! I'm so glad. <laughs> but, I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you just heard uh, where you can find Ashton. She's all over the place. Uh, we'll have more info in the show notes. Uh, well, thanks again for joining us, Ashton. Until next time. Thanks for having okay. me. That's all for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed that. Again, please subscribe if you haven't already and give us a thumbs up if we deserve it. If you want to comment on this episode's page, provide me with requests on topics for future episodes, or inquire about being a guest, please find your way to thebuilders.fm. You can contact me there or add a comment under these show notes. Now a word from our sponsor, my agency, Unified Web Design. We build custom websites, features, we maintain websites, we work with agencies to fulfill their web design and development needs, and more. If you're interested in our services or are looking for an agency to work with as a partner to build awesome sites for your clients, feel free to reach out to me at unifiedwebdesign.com. There's a handy contact me link at the top, fill out that form and it will open a ticket and that ticket will find its way to me. Thanks for joining me today. We'll see you next time.